Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. I'd like to read a passage from the book of Acts, chapter 2. And the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I could read the rest of the passage, and, and Pastor Mark, thank you for what you gave us this morning. But I don't have a lot of time, or maybe I do, but I'm not going to take a lot of time. And, and the way my allergies are set up, it's in my best interest to, to get back inside as soon as possible. But as I was going over and studying for this sermon today, uh, uh, a story came to my mind. So many years ago, um, when the reality TV craze, you know, just began and was starting to catch fire because, you know, the first reality TV show was, what was it, The People's Court? It, it wasn't uh, um, the real world. It was actually The People's Court. Judge Wapner was on TV for a long time, right? But when that reality TV craze began to, to catch on, you know, people started, you know, making their shows. And there was one show in particular called Making the Band. And it was a show that was created by Puff Daddy or, or P. Diddy, who, who was the founder of uh, Bad Boy, the record label Bad Boy. And the premise of this show was like a talent search, right? People from all over the country, they came to New York to follow their dreams of becoming a part of a rap group. They came from from different cities, hundreds of people, but only six were chosen. They came from different cities. They had different musical styles. They had different slang. But they had to merge their talents, their abilities, in order to form a cohesive group. And as you watch the different episodes, you saw how Diddy was attempting to get them to come together as one group. They were all individual rap artists, but they had to come together to form one group. He was trying to mold them. He was trying to, to, to teach them. And as the show went on, they were trying to, you know, create a hit record. And in, in what was probably the most infamous moment of this series and of reality TV was uh, when Diddy made them walk from the studio in Manhattan to Brooklyn to get some cheesecake from Junior's. Of course they protested, right? But then they were given an ultimatum. Okay, you go and get the cheesecake or you go home. You get the cheesecake or you go home. So they went downstairs and they went outside and they, they talked amongst themselves and they said, you know, we're, we're going to stand together. They, they started to form a group. They said, we're going to stand together 
We're going to tell Diddy that either we're not going, we're not going. You're not going to make all of us go. And if you decide to make us go, then we're going to quit. And they went back upstairs and they told Diddy they were going to quit. He said, okay, that's fine. I'm going to continue to make hit records. And you guys are going to go home. You guys came to follow your dream. I'm already following my dream. So you can either go and walk and get that cheesecake or you can go home. So they thought about it a second time. Because it got real when they were outside in the cold and Diddy was getting into his car and they had a decision to make. So they went and they took that walk from Manhattan to Brooklyn to get some cheesecake. It was a 10 mile journey. 10 miles is the equivalent of the Broad Street Run, right? That's not a short distance. That's all the way up Broad Street. In fact, I have an aunt who at one point decided that she was going to do the Broad Street Run. And uh, she surprised us with a phone call telling us to pray for her because she was going to do the Broad Street Run. And, you know, we were concerned considering her age. I'm not going to tell you her age because, you know, we all know that to tell a woman's age is to commit the unpardonable sin. But we were concerned, right? But we were surprised because she got from point A to point B. She got up and she, she started walking and she ended up at the finish line. I'm not going to tell you how many taxis she took along the way, but she got to the finish line. These six members of this group had to decide. They had to decide that for the dreams that they had, they had to unite in order to take this walk. All of them had to do it. It couldn't be most of them. It had to be all of them. And for the purpose that they came to New York for, they had to unite in order to take this walk. Something's ha something happens when we're united for a purpose. Something happens when we are united for a purpose. In the first verse of Acts 2, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. They were all with one accord in one place. It's great to be here. This is a unity service. We're outside. Churches from different congregations are here. We're all in one accord in one place. Well, I can guarantee you that we're all in one place. One accord is a different story. That Greek word, homothemadun, means one accord. It means to be with one mind, to be with one passion, but it means more than that. It's, it's, it's two words really merged together. One word meaning to rush along and the other word meaning in unison. It's to rush along in unison. It's more than just being together. It's more than just to, to just thinking alike. It's to, to rush along in unison. The way that I can explain it is, 
It's almost musical. It's like a number of notes are sounded which alike sound different, but may harmonize in pitch and tone. Can you play me something? Anything. Well, wait. This is a keyboard, right? It plays notes. Can you all hear that? If you can't hear it, raise your hand. I, I'd like to be a pianist. Sometimes I imagine myself as one. But I'm going to ask Tim to play something, play anything. saw this note, you played that note, you played that note, you played that note. I can put them together. But it doesn't sound the same. It's more than just coming together, right? I, I, I just put those notes together. But it doesn't sound the same because it's not united in harmony. Uh, uh, Brother Jeremy, can you play me, play me something on the drums? Anything, anything that you want. Keep, keep going, keep going. Put, put a little sugar on it. Thank you. Mr. Howe, could you could you play me something? That's good, that's good, that's good. Um, if you could grab your mic and step right up. I'm doing this because I want to illustrate something very important. Could you, Sister Rivala, could you sing for me? That was a great catch, by the way. Could you sing for me your favorite song? Just a line of your favorite song. doesn't matter. It's your favorite song. Uh, yes, the world will bow down and say you are God. Every man will bow down and say you are king. So let's start right now. Help me out. <laughs> Why would we wait? Nope. Praise him now in victory. Wonderful. Thank you. Joy, could you uh 
sing a line of your favorite song. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, all my soul rejoice. Thank you. I, I would sing my favorite song, but, you know, it's not R&B night out here. Could you play the song that you just played again? And can you sing the song that you just sang again? And can you sing the song that you just sang again? And can you play what you played again at the same time? Thank you. What you saw was each of these musicians doing what they love to do, right? Nothing wrong with that. In fact, they were gifted and talented. They're up here for a reason because it's a part of what they do. It's a part of their service to the church, right? But regardless of how good you are, regardless of how anointed you are, or you may, may think you are, or, or you, you actually may be, if you don't get on the same page, as you use your giftings, then what we have is confusion. Now, could you guys uh, sing something together? Wait, did you see what just happened? <laughs> did you see what just took place? You guys can have a seat. I'll call you back up. Thank you, thank you. Did you see what just happened when I asked them to do something together? In order for that to happen, they had to think about, come together, be united in thought to decide what they would do. I believe that the problem they, 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 they were great as individuals, but we're being called to come together. The Bible says that the first thing that happened when the disciples were together in the room at Pentecost is that they were on one accord. They were united. They were harmonizing. They had the same mind, the same passion, the same ideas, the same plan. I believe that the, one of the main problems that we face as a society today is a lack of unity. And I believe that 
Division is a strategy that the enemy uses to weaken the body of Christ. And the primary tool that he uses is individuality. There's nothing wrong with being an individual, but the tool that is being used today is individuality. Because the devil knows that when men and women can come together with one mind, they can do anything, achieve anything. If you look at the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, verse 5, it said, in verse 4 it says, And they said, Come let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. Verse 5, it says, but, for the, but the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. Verse 6, And the Lord said, Indeed, the people are one. And they all have one language. And this is what they begin to do. Now, nothing that they propose to do will be withheld from them. And then he said, come, let us confuse their language that they may not be able to understand one another's speech. He said, they are one. The people are one and they have one language. Because they're one, they can understand one another. Then they can do anything. Nothing can be withheld from them. So God said that their language had to be confused. See, we're living in a different age, right? Technology has brought us to the point, and we're glad that you are watching with us online. Several years ago, that wasn't even a possibility. But technology has brought us to a point where our entire lives, we can live our entire lives in the cyber world. And social media has become just that, social media. And it has evolved from a medium where you can connect with just a few friends to a place where the majority of our social interactions take place. The majority of our social interactions take place online. Yeah, we talk to a few people throughout the day, but most of our communications take place online. And the younger you are, the more that increases. I mean, my kids, they'll have their friends come over and they'll all be sitting in a circle in the room on their phones talking to each other. Like, like, put the phones away. You're right in front of each other. They're all playing the same game online. Everybody's heads are down. We have to, I, I can start investing in a, a chiropractic company because I know in 20 years from everybody doing this all day, I can make some money with some, some rehab that we're absolutely going to need, right? But all, the majority of our interactions are beginning to take place online. And as a result, we have access to, to, to any and everything that, add, that adds absolutely no value to our lives. And the problem that I see most today is that it's hard to differentiate the wisdom from foolishness. Because the pictures look the same. 
Back in the day, in order to have a, a platform, you had to know something. Now you don't have to know anything. You can just write something and put it in a nice little picture. And people are going to see it and read it and post it and share it. And it has absolutely no meaning, absolutely no value. I, I, I look at posts that get shared every day, and I'm just like, uh, no. This, this doesn't make any sense. No, you, you, I, I see relationship posts that tell you that you're supposed to be happy all the time. How are you supposed to be happy all the time? If you're happy all the time, then you can't be happy all the time because happiness is the difference between how I'm feeling regularly and how I'm feeling when I'm full of, full of joy. And if I'm always full of joy, if I'm always full of the, the dopamine effect, after a while, it goes down. I'll need something else to make me happy. It's impossible to be happy all the time. But we're in a day and age where we expect it, right? Because somebody made a post that told us that that's what we should expect. And when we're living in an age of individuality, the messages that we're receiving is that if someone's not on your page, then they can get off your boat, and it's perfectly fine. We're told that you can do your own thing and be who you want to be, and if somebody doesn't agree with it, then you can remove them from your lives, and it's perfectly fine. The spirit of individuality tells us that we, we, if anyone doesn't think like us or bend to our desires, then they don't have a place in our lives. It tells us that we don't need unity. We just need people to agree with us. We don't need unity because we can do everything on our own, or we can find people exactly like us, right? But the problem is that we're actually created as individuals, so we can't find someone exactly like us. We have individual gifts. God gave us individual gifts. He gave us individual talents. He gave us individual abilities. We have individual backgrounds. We've come from different families. We attended different schools. We, we, we grew up in different neighborhoods. We have different socioeconomic foundations. We have different political views. We're raised with different belief systems. We have different values, yet we've been called to be one body. The one thing that is common is that we aren't born into unity. If we were, then we wouldn't have to tell children to get along with each other, right? Sharing would be natural. If you're a parent like me, you know that children have to be taught to share. I love to hear my children play, but they're not playing all the time. They argue a lot. Sometimes I break up fights for my bed. Hey! I said, hey! 
Cut that out. Come up here. Because I, I don't, I don't want to go and break up fights. I want the fight to come to me so I can break it up. Jimmy running after kids all day. I don't have the energy for that. And sometimes I, I, but disagreements are natural. So sometimes I, I let them argue. I let them disagree. I tell my wife, don't worry about it. They'll work it out. They have to learn to work it out. They have to work through these issues on their own. They have to learn to do it naturally. Sometimes they, they sometimes you got to fight it out. I let them, you know, don't worry. They'll handle it. Just, oh, go do, go do something. They're, they're fighting down there. Oh, they'll work it out. I'm sure they'll work it out. I grew up with a twin brother. We, we fought a lot. And we argued all the time. We still argue sometimes. But it's not natural to automatically be united, to be in unity, to be of one mind. It's something that takes work. It would be wonderful if we got along all the time. It would be a dream come true. In fact, for many relationships, it is a dream. It's a fantasy. It's reinforced by post after post after post. Telling you that if you get along all the time, then this is what a real relationship is. Yet I've, I've yet to meet anybody who can get along all the time. Right? Any married folks in the room? Any, any folks who get along all the time? Raise your hand way up high so I can see it. Way up high. I don't see any. Any, any happily married folks? Raise your hand way up high. Those happily married folks, if you get along all the time, keep your hands up. Let me see something. No, hands went down. Hands went down. We live in the United States, and that's not even united. <laughs> but we're called to unity, right? Yet the, what we're being reinforced with is division, that division is normal, that in order to be your best self, you can divide and, 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 and remove yourself from people's lives and from everyone's lives, and you never learn how to get together. And the problem is, is that we don't realize that unity takes work, right? To unite is, unite, the word unite is a verb. It's something that has to be done. The Bible says in Amos 3, 3, can two walk together unless they're agreed? And the New, New American Standard Bible says this, do two people walk together unless they have agreed to meet? So there's a starting point, right? You have to get together. You have to, to, to decide to dwell in unity. It's not an automatic happening. It doesn't happen because we're all here together at a unity service. 
We may come from different churches and different denominations and different backgrounds and different races, but just being here doesn't make us united as, as much as going to the Roots picnic unites all of those folks. It's just a gathering, and God is calling us to more than gatherings. He's calling us to unity. Unity is not a destination. It's an act. In order to be united, you must unite. You have to do something that takes work. In marriage and relationships, it takes work. You have to determine to come together for a common goal and for a common purpose. And if you don't actively unite, you will automatically untie. And they're the same letters. If you don't actively unite, you will automatically untie. I read a stat that said 44% of marriages today end in divorce. And I read another one that surprised me that said couples speak on an average 27 minutes a week. Married couples talk to each other on an average of 27 minutes per week. Conversations. Speaking to each other. That means all the, hey, do you want some dinner? Yes. What was that? A second and a half? Can I get you something to drink? Sure, babe. What was that? Another two seconds? And they added up all these interactions and they said 27 minutes per week. And we wonder why the divorce rate is 44%. Because the work to unite is not being done. It takes communication and conversation and determination and coming together and deciding a common goal and a common purpose in order to be united, in order to have unity. The Bible says in John 17, and we're called to be a, a body. This is what happens in marriages, right? This is what happens in relationships, 27 minutes, and we're called to be the body of Christ. The body of Christ, and how often do we come together as a body to communicate? Not to hear a message, not to watch a video, but to come together to determine a goal, a purpose, a mandate, to decide what we're going to do, how we're going to touch the city, how we're going to touch the state, how we're going to take our neighborhoods, how we're going to stop gun violence. When's the last time we've come together as churches, not pastors, as churches, and decided that we're going to come together and we're going to put an end to this? Because what happens is that when there's unity, the Holy Spirit has room to, to operate. We're divided. Churches. How can we be cohesive and working towards a common goal and be on one accord if we aren't even speaking? As churches. Sunday mornings in America are the most divided and segregated times 
of the whole week. Because that's when we are divided. We're divided by race. We're divided by denomination. We're divided by political views. It's the most segregated moment in America every Sunday morning. And yet we're called to be the body of Christ. Jesus said this in, 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 in John 17. Verse 20 said, I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, that they may be that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. The glory which you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one. The glory which you have given to me, I have given to them, that they may be one, just as we are one. The glory, this is Jesus talking, the glory that you have given to me, I have given to them, not so that they may be empowered, not that they may just work miracles, that they may be one, just as we are one. I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. Jesus says, I pray that they may be one, working in unity so that the world will believe that you sent me. Our mandate is to dwell in unity so that the world will believe and receive the message of the love of Christ Jesus. What that means is that the world won't believe our message unless we're united. They won't accept the divinity of Jesus Christ unless we're united. They won't accept that he died on the cross for their sins unless we're united. And that is exactly what we're seeing today. That's what we're witnessing today. If you look at the polls, you look at the studies, you have conversations with people. They'll tell you, uh, yeah, I don't, I can't do with the whole religion thing. I'm, I'm watching church people. The church is divided. If you look on TV, you see pastors calling people demons just because of their political views. Kicking people out the church because they don't agree. Calling them demons. We're, we're, we're throwing stones at each other from building to building, from church to church, from denomination to denomination, from race to race. We're fighting with each other simply because we're not united. And so we find ways to be divided. We're looking for things to be divided. We're looking for ways to say, oh, well, you don't think like us right here, so something's wrong with you. We can't, we can't relate to you. We can't operate with you. 
You, you don't have the spirit that we have because we don't think exactly alike. The world is looking at us as a body. They're not differentiating and seeing, okay, that's, that's Pentecostal, that's Church of God in Christ, that's that. No, they see Christian. They see Christian. They see how we operate with each other as Christians, and they say we don't want any of that. And because that's how y'all act and y'all are Christians, we don't believe that your Jesus is real. That's what's happening. I'm having conversations with folks and they're telling me that this is how they feel. Jesus said, I, I, I want it to be that they are perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me. They're looking at us and saying, nah, that, that ain't it. Can't be. Can't be. I'm watching these preachers on TV. I'm seeing what they're doing. I'm seeing what they're saying. That can't be it. The church in, in America is dying because we haven't created the atmosphere for it to thrive. We haven't created the atmosphere for it to, to thrive. It cannot thrive in disunity. The Holy Spirit cannot operate in division. Unity sets the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to operate. Unity sets the atmosphere for the Holy Spirit to operate. I've, I've told this story before. Um, you know, a couple summers ago, I, I decided I wanted, you know, I was working on my grass, have a little patch of grass, small patch, so it's manageable, very manageable, and it allows me to, to, to you know, be very uh, uh, OCD about it because it's not that large, so I can spend a lot of time in a small space making sure that my grass is perfect. And, you know, a couple summers ago, I, I had it, perfect. It was green, green, all one tone, one tone, no, 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 no patches, no different shades. It was perfectly green. Every blade stood straight up. One, no weeds anywhere. I would just come outside and take my shoes off and walk around in it. Felt like a carpet. It was great. I used to cut it with scissors. No. Nah. It, it, it was wonderful, and I decided that I wanted it even better. It was so good, and I got so many compliments. I said, All right, I can, I can make this a little, I can make it better somehow. So I got some fertilizer. I went to the Home Depot, got some fertilizer, came back, threw it all over there, didn't read the instructions at all. It was a hot day, too. Threw the fertilizer on there, went inside. I was awakened the next morning when my son Andrew came in and he said, uh, Dad, uh, what's wrong with the grass? What's wrong with the I might have jumped up like the house was on fire. My, my grass? What's wrong with the grass? What are you talking about? I went and looked out the window. Yellow. Less than 24 hours later, yellow. I over-fertilized it. I burnt the grass. The next day, it was even more yellow. I, I killed my lawn by overfertil. Nothing was wrong with the grass, but what I did was I, I messed up the soil. All right, I messed up the soil. I messed up the 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 the, the atmosphere that the grass grows in. 
So I, I learned a lesson, right? I learned a lesson that summer. And so now fast forward to, you know, we're in a pandemic. And I don't know about you all, but having plants, house plants is, you know, a big thing now. You know, we had a lot of plants in my house growing up. But now I have a lot of plants in my house. It's, it's, it's almost an addiction. And it's a good addiction because, you know, plants clean the air, all that stuff. And they, they help with... They might help with allergies. I don't know. There's not too many flowering plants, but it looks, it feels good to have so many green plants in the house. But sometimes, the, you know, things start to wither. Now, a couple years ago, if we got a plant and it started to, to wither, we would, you know, water it more, put it in the sun, and, you know, realize that, all right, it's still dying, and it may still die. But now that we're paying a lot more for these plants... It behooves us to ask some questions and get some understanding. When we realize this, it's not always the water or the lack of water or the overwatering or, or the lack of sun or, or too much sun. Sometimes it's the soil. Sometimes the, the soil may be diseased. And sometimes the soil needs to be changed. So for the past couple of days, you know, my wife goes around, she checks the flowers, she checks, she checks the plants, and, you know, we go to Home Depot, she points to what she wants, and I throw it over my back, and I, you know, I carry it to the car, and, you know, she walks with her list, all right, now grab that, and I throw that on the other side of my back, and we get bags of soil, and all this stuff, and she's, you know, changing the soil that these plants are in. Keeping the pots, keeping the plants, changing the soil. Because the conditions make a difference. The atmosphere makes a difference. The climate makes a difference. Sometimes we have to move some stuff out of the sun. Too much sun. Sometimes we have to move some stuff into the sun. So now instead of throwing out the plants, we, we, we understand that the atmospheric conditions affect the condition of the plants. In the same way, dwelling in unity and being in one accord creates the atmospheric conditions for the Holy Spirit to operate. The Bible says in Psalms 123, Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity, for it is like the precious oil on the head running down upon the beard as on Aaron's beard, the oil which ran down upon the edge of his robe. It is like the dew of Hermon coming down upon the mountains of Zion, for the Lord commanded the blessing there, life, forevermore. Behold how good and pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. For it is like the oil, the anointing oil. Not just the oil by itself, but the anointed oil falling down the head, the oil on the head. The oil which had all these different ingredients and had all these different, this, this purpose. It is like the oil. It is, it is the sign of the anointing dwelling together in unity. For there the Lord commanded a blessing. 
And so it goes beyond this church. It, 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 it goes to every relationship that you have. Behold how good it is for brethren to dwell in unity. Behold how good it is for members to dwell together in unity. Behold how good it is for husband and wife to dwell together in unity. Behold how good it is for churches to dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands a blessing. Life forever. The Bible says that they were all in one place with one accord and suddenly there came a sound from heaven. Because being in one place and being in one accord brings about the Holy Spirit. Miracles can happen when we dwell together in unity. For all the plans that we have is churches and, and ministries and the mandate that we have to touch our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the problems that we see outside. Last night, 11 people injured, 14, 13, 14 people shot. 11 people injured, three killed. As people came into our city for the Roots concert. And this is, this is what we showed as, as brotherly love. We showed them the characteristics that have been plaguing our city, gun violence. What would happen if churches put the energy that they used to grow their churches, if people put the resources that they, that they used to market their churches, if we put the energy that we used to build our own churches and got together with other organizations, other churches, and said, this is what we will do to impact our city. This is how we will be united in our movement to rush along in unison. This is how we will be on one accord to rush along in unison. To rush along in unison. Not just trying to get people to come here. Not just trying to get people to come there. But together saying, this is what we will do as a body to make our focus rushing along in unison, coming together in unity to really make an impact on our city. That's why the Bible asks the question, can two take a thousand, can one take a thousand and can two put 10,000 to flight? Because it's a different type of math when it's Unity. See, I can count the number of people here. I mean, I can't count it. You know, Rain Man might be able to count it. All the people who are here right now. I can count the individuals, but I 
It's impossible to count the impact that we can make if we came together. It's exponentially infinite, infinite possibilities if we came together and worked together. Because that's what unity is. Unity isn't one plus one. It's us coming together plus the Holy Spirit. And he'll always do what he does. And what he does is way beyond anything that we can ask or think or, de or desire. That's why the word says that suddenly there was a sound from heaven. It was confusing. It was suddenly. As soon as they were in one place, in one accord, suddenly, they hadn't planned for the Holy Spirit to, to operate. All they did was what they could do, come together in unity. And all we can do is come together in unity and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us and direct us and empower us. I'm going to ask the musicians to come back up. As I come to a close because I feel that it's critically important. It's critically important. We're at a critical time in this age. It's, it's the information age. It's the, we're able to see everything. We're able to witness everything. If a shooting takes place in L.A., 20 minutes later, we know about it here. And when there's, the, when there's division, we're able to see it. But when there's unity, when we come together as individuals, as organizations, as churches, as members, as couples, as friends, as colleagues, when we come together, something amazing can happen. But we have to decide to unite. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.